Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode 177. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. I'm delighted to have you today. Happy Doctor's Day to everyone. And my guest in this special episode for Doctor's Day is the wonderful and hilarious Dr. Glaucom Flecken. I have his permission to call him Dr. G because that is an extraordinarily difficult name to pronounce, as are basically all things in ophthalmology, which he is an ophthalmologist, he's a comic, he's fantastic. We had a great conversation. It was a total pleasure to speak with him, and we got into the really apex stuff that he's doing primarily on Twitter, which is where he shares all of his thoughts around what's happening with the COVID-19 pandemic. And he's writing about these things, and there's links to all of his great Twitter feeds in our show notes. They're really hilarious, and at the same time, they're also really poignant. And we talk about the way he is diligent and thoughtful about pairing his humor and pairing his wit with a sense of service, with a commitment to service, and also with a real sense of sadness. And we talked about how some of his jokes actually made me feel much more sad than I expected because of the thoughtfulness that he puts into this work. It was a really fun conversation. Dr. G is is a great comic. He's a great addition to all of the different ways we look after one another, we take care of one another, and we enjoy each other's company. And it's especially fitting today being Doctor's Day as well. Before we get to the conversation, just want to remind everyone, please do check out Explore the Space Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you like to download your shows. You can find me on Twitter at ETS Show and on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. And you can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. This conversation with Dr. G was a total treat, and it's a really special thing to be able to put it up on Doctor's Day. It's an incredible time, and that it, that word incredible is really versatile. It's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly sad. It's incredibly motivating. And there's also that wonderful word. It's incredibly aspirational. But it's important also to acknowledge this is really difficult. And we're all seeing things that are happening that we never thought we would have to deal with that can sometimes take your breath away, that can make you cry, that can make you feel the whole gamut of emotion. Hopefully this episode gives you a chuckle. Hopefully it gives you a little bit of a laugh. But also it's a good reminder of the extraordinary commitment that we all have to one another, that we have to our patients, that we have to our organizations, and that we have to this profession. So I wish everyone a happy Doctor's Day. And without further ado, Dr. Glaucom Flecken. Dr. Glaucom Flecken, welcome to Explore the Space. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm going to pivot and I'm going to go to Dr. G. I know I have permission to do so because it's a mouthful otherwise. I, I completely understand. <laughs> I had to practice because I knew it would be a mouthful and I want to be able to articulate clearly. And it brought me to some of the great stuff, some of the reasons that you're here, the stuff that you're putting on Twitter. You gave me my pronunciation guidelines, so I'm grateful. I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, you, you did a good job pronouncing that. It's it's not an easy word, Glockenflecken. I had never seen the word before until I found you on social media. It is. It's You know, it's actually... A real word in ophthalmology because of course it is <laughs> i'll believe anything you tell me about real words in <laughs> ophthalmology <laughs> you could say anything you want i'll say yeah okay that's fine it, exactly it's it's part of uh 
you know, what's so great about our specialty is no one knows what we're talking about and we can uh, <laughs> keep it that way. It's, it's like, it's like the Enigma code breakers. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's get into this. We are recording this interview and, you know, you and I had been in touch. It was a long time ago around maybe mm-hmm. doing a show and then you got super famous and I kept doing my thing. Um, and I, you know, it's okay that you didn't read my calls. That's fine. Um, what, Fa- famous, what, famous. That's such a relative term in our in our own little world right. of make believe in medicine. <laughs> totally. Don't say it like that. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> um, so one of the things though that we found, we're we're recording this in the earliest days of what I think we can say without hyperbole is going to really define in large part our careers and our lives, which is the coronavirus, COVID nineteen pandemic one of the things everyone's rising to the occasion, it feels like in their own way. And one of the ways that I feel like you're doing it, and I say this with, with real respect, you Mm. you were funny before, but you're, you are in your, you are in your wheelhouse right now. Talk (laughs) me through the mindset of saying, I'm going to share things on social media. I have many, many, many thousands of followers. If I, if I share something, it's going to go viral. I want to knock it out of the park. You you keep knocking it out of the park. Take us into the mindset of just trying to be funny while yeah. we're in the midst of a pandemic. Well, um, it, you know, I wasn't sure how to do it at first. Uh, you know, if you spend as much time as as I do, unfortunately, on on Twitter, which can can be a, just a mental strain on itself, um, it's. It, with all the news, it's just, it's so, it can get so depressing and so down, just make you feel like, Oh, how are we ever going to get out of this? And so, um, you know, toward the beginning, you know, I, I had to kind of think about how to do the humor thing. Cause obviously that's what I do. That's, that's my shtick on social media. And so what I've found is that focusing on making fun of myself is kind of a big part of, of what I do, making fun of ophthalmologists, um, because we're, we're rel- pretty much an easy target. And so I, <laughs> you know, um, and so I, I decided to kind of latch on to the idea of ophthalmologists helping out. And, uh, and I, it kind of surprised me how much traction that got in terms of the response to, to that type of humor. Um, but what's what's really kind of impressed me, or not really impressed me, let's say, what what's what's uh, been surprising to me is the response I've gotten from all those tweets about ophthalmologists helping out in the ICU. It's been uh, I've gotten a lot of messages from people saying, you know, they've had such a hard day, and it's nice to come home and be able to uh, to to read some of these tweets, some of these stupid jokes that I'm telling, and. Um, and I didn't expect that, honestly. For me, what it's been, and I, I agree with the way you've been taking it on board because it it connects with how it's been for me. There is, in the midst of all of this, there is that sense of aspiration, right? There's that sense that we're all being called to do something much larger than we ever expected to do. I really like that in being funny and in joking around, you are framing it around yourself, but you're framing it around yourself in how you're going to help out, in how you're going to pitch in. 
your ophthalmology practice is not the same as it was six weeks ago. I wouldn't even begin to try to understand what that feels like for you and for your entire team. Mm -hmm. But turning it in that place of, I am also ready to serve. I'm also ready to come into the ICU. And I would bet $100 right now that if you got a call that said, look, we're really short of person power. You have a license to practice medicine and we need you in the hospital that you would turn to your family and say, I have to go. And you would go and do the best that you could. I know that. I know yeah. that for a fact. That's what resonates around this. That's what feels like we yeah. now have permission to enjoy the <sighs> jokes because we know the person behind it. Even though we don't know you, we know that ethos and that really resonates. Yeah, I, I absolutely would. I mean, I'd be, I'd be absolutely terrified if that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, welcome. And totally. uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone else would be terrified as well. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's so inspiring to, to hear about what people are going through and, and what they're doing in this crisis that, um, that, you know, part of it is just telling jokes, but part of it's also like processing my thoughts yeah. about what that could be like, uh, from the perspective of an ophthalmologist who, uh, hasn't set foot in an ICU willingly in quite some time. Right. Um, and just going with that and just kind of talking about what's at the front of my mind. When I read the tweet thread that you constructed around what happens when Dr. G has to go into the ICU and manage a ventilator. Oh yeah. I'll yeah. share with you that, right. That's the one that I think has gotten a lot of traction. Yeah. I read that the evening after I had been doing vent review. It's been a long time since I've managed ventilators. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with it. I also know when I'll need to ask for help. We're having those conversations in our in my hospital. Like, w what will we do when the hospitalists need to start managing vents, and how will we deal with that? That thread landed so well because that was mm -hmm. that shared experience of, of course, we're going to pitch in. It's going to be hard. It's going to be super scary, and it's also okay to joke and laugh about it. Yeah. Can yeah, I, I read the thread? Yeah. Can I read go it? Go ahead. Is that okay? Please. Can I just sure. embarrass you like crazy to read it? All right, here <laughs> go, we go. go this is it. Dr. G at 3.25 <laughs> p.m. Pacific time on March 14th. It's possible in the coming days that specialists may be called upon to help out our critical care colleagues. So I thought I'd share a few tips for my fellow ophthalmologists on how to manage a ventilator. Hope this helps. Number one, first, you need to learn the ICU lingo. Vent is short for ventilator. You may also hear words like tube, code, and what the fuck are you doing? Don't touch that. That's all true. Make sure the vent is plugged into both the wall and the patient. Both are important. That's true. A good one. Yeah. That's a, that one. It's a good funny, one. but it's also like, that's a really important safety it's check. true, right? The vent right. will if it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I assume so. Yeah, for sure. It's best not to touch the tube part. The tube ultimately provides oxygen to the eyes. Very important. Probably does other stuff too. Nobody really knows. That might be know. your Apex tweet. Did that one feel good <laughs> when you wrote it? Oh, these, these all felt great. I, you yeah. know, I did a lot of research trying to put this together. <laughs> you cracked open Harrison's book of internal medicine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eye exams are not as important while a patient is ventilated. The tubing makes mm -hmm. positioning at the slit lamp very difficult. Very hard. Nearly impossible, really. Walk me through what happens now when an ophthalmologist is called to see a patient in the ICU. Yeah. Well, um, First, we're carrying our little bag of luggage, so that right. feels weird usually. So I'm walking in with, um, <laughs> uh, you know, portable equipment, uh, and so the, that tweet's actually, you know, because 
in residency, you do a lot of ICU consults. I haven't been to an ICU in a while, but you have all this portable equipment. And so the thought of bringing in like a full size slit lamp up to an intubated, <laughs> sedated patient just cracked me up. And, yeah. um, but fortunately we don't have to do that. There are other options. So your third tweet felt apex, but your fifth tweet is what made me put you in the category of one of the great comedy troops, Monty Python. If the ventilator starts beeping loudly, that means it's mad at you. Right. And that I remember feeling like when it was beeping, I took it personally and I felt uh-huh. misery and failure and that I had upset the machine and all of those things. Quickly apologize to the machine you wrote and ask it if there's anything you can do to help the patient breathe better. <laughs> Was there something That's... that you had to dredge up from the depths of your? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. You, I and you it, the ICU as a resident. Yeah, I spent two months in the ICU in an intern year, yeah. and it was a small community hospital, but it was. It was a terrible situation. I was doing nights. Uh, I did about you know six or seven nights where I was by myself in the ICU. It was just a traumatic experience. And so I, I vividly remember the just the feeling of helplessness that you have as an intern in like October or something. Whenever you're like managing the ICU, you're relying on nurses for everything. And so, yeah, a lot of this is just visceral kind of feelings that I've I've carried with me for like a decade. I, I totally felt all of that. And speaking of visceral feelings, you did another one recently where you talked about eye care in the intensive care unit. And while yeah. you were doing it, your kids were shaving your beard. <laughs> Yeah, you know the, the the thread about the ventilator management. That's that's really what kind of kicked this off. And I was like, whoa, right. I think people are really um, we need are, are connecting with this type yeah. of thing because yeah. I, I did get a lot of replies and messages about that, about you know how much it helped, uh, just help people cope with with things. And so I kind of just kept it going. And and the video, the first one was of my kids cutting off all my hair. And <laughs> that one ended the, great. The reason I did that, yeah. oh, thank you, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, is because I, I literally could not get a haircut anywhere. Everything was closed, so I didn't know what to do. And I, had, you saw what my hair was like before. Is like I can't yeah. see patients like this. This looks horrible. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I got to get my haircut. What I, my yeah. original plan was actually to cut it myself while talking yeah. about those things, and then my wife was like, let the kids do it. I was like, oh totally. my God, that you don't, I don't think anybody realizes just how many of ideas come from her. Um, she's funny. And uh, so it was a great idea. Let my kids do it. And um, yeah. And then I did the, the beard one. Cut your hair absolutely crushed me. And I was in hysterics because I'm in the same boat. I really need a haircut. It's a good thing I host a podcast because right <laughs> now I very much have a face for radio. The second yep. one that you did though about eye care where your kids shaved your beard with the the yeah. kind of pretext being you're gonna have to wear the N95 mask, you can't wear a beard. I'm gonna share this with you. It actually mm-hmm. I cried. And here's why I cried when I watched it. It it was funny, it was really funny. But there was a pathos and an empathy behind it. And I don't know if this was intended or not, but the way you described taking care of the eyes of somebody who's critically ill amidst all of this chaos, amidst the fact that we're going to be using proning ventilation in numbers that we never expected to use, the the sequence of steps that you gave us to, to 
acknowledge the need for good eye care and how to do it. And then just more importantly, the value and the the love that went into it. I, that was one of the, I haven't cried a lot over the last few weeks. That really got me. It really, it really did. I learned a lot, but it mm. just, I really needed a minute after I watched it. It made me really, really not sad, but yeah. it, it was really emotional for me. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's fun to do. And, and I think part of what, part of my appeal on, on Twitter to people, I think is that, uh, you know, I, I do t- do a lot of humor, obviously, but I've, in the years I've I've been tweeting, I've figured out how to how to present ophthalmology education in a way that that makes people not want to die inside a little bit. <laughs> totally. For the you know for, uh, yeah. for the non ophthalmologist, I'll say it's it's so um, I think that that's helped me to, to do some of those things like those videos and, and knowing how to present that information in an interesting, uh, easy to process and follow way. Do you need to spend time rehearsing or does a lot of it just sort of flow in the moment? Oh, for those videos, I, I, um, yeah, we took like, we did like 10 takes my, yeah. my, my kids are troopers. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> Their good. arms are getting tired, holding up the, <laughs> the clippers and yeah. uh, they, they hung in there. So yeah, I, cause I don't, I don't do a lot of videos. Um, I might do more uh, seeing how popular they've been. Um, yeah. You're going to need to so, grow your hair. So fast. That was <laughs> usually I just bang out tweets, you know, in the middle of the right. day. Um, right. But that took a little bit more time. What would be next level is if you did like a chest shaving one because you're going to, we, we're out of PPE and so we have to use a special new one and we have to, yeah. let's not do that. Yeah. People were asking, you know, what's, what's next. And fortunately yeah. most people were mentioned eyebrows and not right. something a little bit more indecent. That's good. <laughs> That's good that we can maintain those standards. I think I'm going to keep my eyebrows, but it was a good thought. It was a very good thought. <laughs> the the other one that just absolutely got me and it got me again just before we started was the one right when <laughs> when you do your examinations, you have to put medication on top of the eye so that the pupil will dilate so you can get a good look at the retina. And the one that you put up that quite honestly, I needed it to be more popular. I, I, maybe it came at a weird time where people just weren't ready for it, but it's quote, why the fuck is everybody dilated? Said the neurosurgeon <laughs> storming out of the Dr. G ICU, probably. That oh, just, man. That just put me to a knee. That, uh, I mean, that's personal experience. Like, <laughs> you know how many times I've been yelled at by a neurosurgeon, most in a residency usually? Uh, oh, man, they hate it. Because they walk they in. And they don't like it. it. They don't like it. <laughs> And you only I mean, do it if you absolutely have to. But, oh, my gosh, if you're rounding on 14 patients in the ICU, we're going to have to make sure that we compensate for <laughs> dilated drops. That's right. Exactly. What else am I going to do? Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. You listen to the heart. You listen to the lungs. You dilate the, dilate the patient. That's it. That's right. So, what we, yeah, exactly. We're going to learn heart, to do that from you. Heart, lungs, retina. I don't know what, what else there is to do. What does life feel like as an ophthalmologist, right? You, normally, you're 730 in the yeah. morning till probably six or seven at night, wall-to-wall patients, a really high tempo, in and out of the operating room, in and out of sterile procedures, lots of conversations, everything related to one of the most wonderful and vital things that we have, our vision. What has the pivot been like? What is your operating tempo like right now? Wait, wait. 
hold on just a second. Six to seven at night? What if, <laughs> no. Are you crazy? What if, <laughs> I'm sorry. If, I, if I'm not home by five, my wife is calling the cops. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was I projecting? I, a, a little bit. Now I do. I do start at about about you know seven forty five or so. But uh, uh, no, man, it's when it's quitting time. It's quitting time. Um, I'm sorry. Does the it's, bell go off and you ride on the Flintstone <laughs> dinosaur tail? But it is. You're right. It is very fast paced. Uh, you know, I'll see uh, fifty patients a day. Yeah. Um, and it's changed. I mean, it's it's incredible uh, how things have changed, and not not for the better, obviously. Um, you know, we, uh, where I am, we're not allowed to do, um, any, any outpatient surgery, elective surgery until June, uh, which has been devastating. Cause that's, that's a large portion of our income and business and, um, yeah. and private practice. And so, uh, you know, we've had to let go of a lot of staff and it's, it's one of the, it's one of the really challenging things that isn't, being talked about a lot on social media, which understandably, you know, there's, you know, people are dying. People are, ICUs are filling up. It's, it's terrible, uh, in the hospitals, but, um, uh, just like most every other business out there, you know, private practices have not been spared from this and, uh, people's practices are closing. Physicians are losing their jobs. Uh, fortunately I've, I've been able to keep mine so far. Um, but it's, uh, it's been, it's been a real challenge and it's far from over. So right now we're basically urgent care appointments only. So I'll go in, um, you know, a couple times a week now staff the clinic, but we're only getting calls, uh, you know, from eye emergencies, emergency departments, urgent care. We are starting to do telemedicine though. And so we'll see how, how that goes. It's kind of hard in ophthalmology. I actually tweeted about that a couple of times, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to to assess the eyes. Um, it's going to be tough to dial the eye from. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 a little bit challenging, you know. Yeah. It's hard I, for me to get uh you know non ophthalmologists and medicine to examine the eye properly, so I don't know how I'm going to get an 80 year old. <laughs> that hurt my feelings. I know you meant that at me. Yeah. I took it as a shot, and that's okay. <laughs> I yeah. wonder though, given all the the. We're, we're having a shared experience, but at the same time, it's also very different and unique for every single one of us. And what we're feeling and experiencing is all correct in our, in the way we're experiencing it. Do you feel a greater sense of responsibility to create humorous content, acknowledging that when you do, people are tweeting back at you and DMing you and texting you saying, this is really great. And it helped me at the end of a really rough day. And it's really good to laugh and having that sort of shared experience. Does it feel I don't know. Again, yeah. getting back to that sense of aspiration, does it feel more aspirational or does it still kind of feel the same? It, it feels different. It definitely does. Uh, and that's that, again, that's been the surprising thing for me through all this is um, um, I, I feel a little bit more of a responsibility to, to bring the, the best humor, the best jokes I can throughout this experience. Um, just because people are are reacting to it so positively, and so yeah. I feel a little bit more pressure, <laughs> and that's, <laughs> I, I really haven't felt that, you know. Interesting. Um, it may seem like a simple thing, but I don't know. It's uh, it, I guess it's it's a little bit more important than than I thought it would be. 
the yeah. sadness walks very closely to the humor in your jokes. And I think that's why yeah. it resonates. It's right there. And so some of them make me really sad. I don't laugh at everything you write. Um, mm-hmm. but I have an emotion with everything that you write currently before. I mean, you were, you're just funny, but now mm-hmm. I think that one of the parts that is resonating with lots of people is the sadness is right there. It's not a joke in a vacuum. It's a joke about what we're feeling and experiencing. And I think that's what's bringing us together. And I like looking at the comments too, because I like that sense of community of the thousands and the tens of thousands of people that are also laughing at your jokes, knowing that they're feeling that same sense of sadness and worry and anxiety that we're, there's a community that's coming up out of it. Do you, have you picked up on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, First of all, there are so many funny people in medicine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, honestly, a lot of the comments are are great. A lot of the, the replies comments, are great. Some of the comments are <laughs> good. There was the one yesterday that if you were an endocrinologist, you'd have been Dr. Glaucagon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was, I like that, that, that one. That was at REAPRN. That was REAP, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That one just – I texted her. I'm like, that's your best tweet ever. Well Yeah, done. She, she just comes out of nowhere with some of these uh, just fantastic puns. I mean, I'm yeah. not a pun. I'm not a pun guy. I don't do a lot of puns, but, man, she's got top-notch ones. She good. does. <laughs> Who are the other um, ones that you find when you're looking for the pick-me-up? Because, obviously, you'll laugh at your own stuff, but it's, it's your kind of creation. When you say yeah. – I want that same feeling that Shapiro's describing of some humor right next to the sadness and fear and all those other emotions. Who do you, who are you enjoying? Yeah, I enjoy, um, a couple of, of people that have become actually pretty good friends on Twitter is, um, Omni intensivist. Uh, she, awesome. she's fantastic. Um, Amy, Amy G Dalla. She's my, uh, She's my back when we were writing for Gomer blog. She was she was uh, that's how we met, and so um, she keeps uh, keeps things pretty light. Um, Can I admit something to you again? Sh- sure, go it ahead. It took me months to realize that Amy Amygdala. Gidala, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just I'll own it. It, it. She's a neurologist too. She is. It took she me is. a long time. I was like, that's wow, a little bit you, embarrassing. You're that's... not as smart as you thought, Betty. Yeah. <laughs> It took me a minute, and it, I was like, when I realized it, it's like, oh god, everybody's known this for so long. It's such a good name. It's perfect. It really is. I, I appreciate a good Twitter handle, honestly. I mean, I like I, Doctor Shadowgazer. Doctor Shadowgazer is a good Twitter handle. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, the radiologist, mm-hmm. I think. Do you guys communicate? Do you do do you do shared humor, or do you all kind of work on your own stuff and then amplify each other? Um. We just, uh, you know, just kind of do our own thing, I'd say. Yeah. You know, we support, you know, support each other and, you know, have some conversations with each other, you know, offline. And so it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that sense of community and even in the kind of the just comedy aspects of things. So then as you're doing that and you're learning from each other and this is all evolving, you know, it feels like hour by hour. How far ahead is your joke reservoir? Are we going to hit a low? Oh. Do you have a good one week? Are, are you logged? Like, do you have stuff in the can ready to go? What's our What's our standing here? Yeah, no, I I, I just uh, tweet it as it comes to me. I mean, I'll okay. I some, there are times when I feel like, oh man, how am I gonna how am I gonna keep this up? Like, right. I I hate I don't like tweeting when I have to sit down and think up a tweet. 
like those are when I don't end up tweeting something good. And, um, and so I try not to do that. I don't like doing that. It's, it's frustrating to have to sit there and try to think of a tweet. So usually it's just stuff that happens to me on a day-to-day basis. It's been a little harder now because I'm not working. I'm just at home and, you know, every day is the same. I'm sure you can relate to that. Uh, or maybe not. You're probably busier than I am. So, so I, I prefer to just kind of tweet what, what, you know, happens to pop into my head at any given moment. I like that you ride that knife's edge of whatever might pop into your head at any moment, because I feel like there's, you're, you're, you could go, you could go off a cliff or you could make it to the top of the mountain. Oh yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely dependent on like the time of day too. Like I love some of my favorite <laughs> tweets that I've done are things that I've, I've tweeted like right before bed. It's like, you know, midnight and I'm like railing on the spleen or, uh, <laughs> or trying to drum up a conspiracy against, uh, basophils not existing, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like the really off the wall stuff is probably my favorite stuff to do. Uh, the, the basophil then, manifesto was pretty funny. It felt like a, like a Robert Ludlum book. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I really liked the spleen one, the spleen diatribe, because that took me into one of the great medical scenes in history, which was when Fletch went to the autopsy lab. <laughs> you ever seen a spleen like that? I, Not since uh, breakfast. I, <laughs> That's one of the That's great good. I didn't even think about that. Oh, it took me right there. I pulled it up on YouTube immediately. Oh, that's great. I have to look, yeah, watch and that I again. can thank you for that. So there's an extra YouTube hit on that specific scene, right? Remember he's Dr. Rosen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's it's good. Magic and, the, stuff. and those are, that's the kind of content too, that like everybody can, it, it doesn't offend anybody. Yeah. Well, for the most part. I mean, well, that first of all, that. mainly because there's no doctor that owns the spleen, like who owns the spleen. <laughs> that's right. But we all but just look at it from afar and pretend we could palpate the tip of it. Yeah. Uh, can you? Is it? <laughs> can you touch that thing? That's a, that's a fair question. I, Shit's I got pl- prime so. prime real estate under the under the uh, under the rib cage. Like, yeah, no, it, it's how does a worthless organ it. like the spleen <laughs> end up? It's almost vestigial, and there it is with like the best rib cage protection you could have. Yeah, what's the deal with but, that? But we, this, I, how how I did know. the spleen hurt you, Doctor G? How did the spleen hurt you? <laughs> it hasn't. I just don't think it should exist. <laughs> <laughs> people talking about encapsulated bacteria like i really know what that is i don't yeah. care anyway i think that you're in cahoots with howl and jolly because if there was no spleen howl and jolly bodies would be like that'd be they'd have their own book <laughs> i'm gonna trust you on that one yeah <laughs> thanks <laughs> i might even not be right someone's gonna <laughs> fact check me and just blow me out of the water Oh, but you know, I, yeah, go ahead. You've hammered the basophil, you've hammered the spleen. You're doing a lot of hematologic, you know, jabbing. Yeah. Yeah. You you want to pivot because the, you know, the, the hematologist can get irate. Well, I did the, I, I did the pituitary a while back. (laughs) That was, that was one. Can you read that? We need to bring that back. Yeah, I probably should. I mean, my point was that um, you know, everybody's concerned about the thyroid. The thyroid has like one hormone. The pituitary is like the size of your pinky. And it's, it's got like 15 hormones. Yeah. 
It's like so, that gun uh, that Jesse Ventura carried in Predator. It's just, yeah. just, just going. Yeah. Way underappreciated. Way underappreciated. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. But, but it's important, right? You use the technique that I love, the, the juxtaposition. And in the pituitary versus thyroid first round matchup of like most important organ bracket, mm-hmm. which we should probably do now that I think about it, um, yeah. th- then pituitary is going to beat thyroid every day of the week. Yeah. Oh, it should. Absolutely. And then obviously thymus is last, but <laughs> you've got a thing about the, the ones that starts with the TH too. Clearly your biases are emerging. It's a funny sound. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Do you have things that you want to get to? Do you have goals in your humor? Are there things that feel different or more or less meaningful now that your humor is being appreciated yeah. and taken on board in a totally different prism? I'd say, you know, when when I first started this whole thing, it was like 2016, I think. Uh, it was like strictly jokes, like humor. That's yeah. that was all I cared about. I used to do yeah. stand-up comedy, and I just I I had didn't have time to do that anymore. And so, um, kind of just providing an outlet for comedy. But now, I, I feel like if it was just straight comedy, that that would kind of get old for me. Uh, and so that's when probably about a year and a half ago, I I, I I transitioned into doing this more comedy education hybrid. So bringing in more, you know, educating people about ophthalmology, particularly non-ophthalmologists about ophthalmology. So emergency physicians, primary care, all that stuff. Um, and so that, that was just like kind of a new challenge for me. So I, and, and I really got into that, just trying to figure out a way to like trick people into learning ophthalmology by making it funny. Yeah. So and so that's um, that's kind of been my focus, and I've I've really tried to 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 pursue that a little bit more over the last like year year and a half. You've made it funny, but my understanding of eye care in the ICU also made me cry. So it's it's an interesting <laughs> skill set that you're developing, and I mean that with a, with a real sense yeah. of appreciation. You know that that all it, it just it was it was excellent and i thought it was really good that that you framed it that way in this idea that the sadness is right next to the shadow is right next to the to the laughter that you give us is really great i think it's also important that we acknowledge that your sense of service and philanthropy and reaching out to help others who need it this is not new ground for you you've been mm-hmm. doing this for a long time through your charity work with first descents do you feel yeah. like you're on the same ground? Does this feel like part of the same work? It it feels similar in certain ways, uh, you know, trying to help people where they are and help people in their time of need in whatever way I can. In this case, it's it's given them a little bit of levity in a yeah. in a situation that's pretty dire. Um, with uh, the first descent, you know, I, I'm a cancer survivor, and so. Um, when I got involved with first descents, uh, that changed that, that provided a, a big motivation for me to continue doing what I'm doing on Twitter and, uh, and raising money and which I, something I still do. It's been a little bit tougher or recently, obviously with, with what's going on to, to, to do that. But it's certainly something I'm going to be continuing on, um, in the, in the future is raising money for that organization, which has uh, saved my life and, it's uh, it's just a great service for young adults with cancer. We'll have links to First Ascents in the show notes as well. 
Great. And as people hear this, they're going to obviously want to know how do we find Dr. G? How do we access this content? Give give the people your Twitter handle. Yeah, so it's um it's at D Glockenflecken. Now, hang on. Of course on. it is. Let me let me let me it's let me like clarify. <laughs> yeah. Okay, start spelling. Yeah. So here we go. It's D G L A U C O M. By that point, it should just pop up whenever you're searching for it, and then or Flecken. You just go to bed. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> F-L-E-C-K-E-N, D. Glockenflecken. And um, I also have a website, uh, drgcomedy.com. And from there, you can, you know, uh, I have a link to First Descent's uh, don- uh, donation page. And then also some uh, blog posts that I, I share regularly on Twitter, uh, including a lot of stuff about um, artificial tears and uh, LASIK and a few other things. Yeah, it's it's great to see our big players making big plays and big moments. We've got our best physicians going on CNN talking about coronavirus and helping educate the public. Yeah. We've got best people doing all this stuff. And I feel like you're in there, too, because you are allowing us to acknowledge the anxiety and the fear and the sadness and laugh at the exact same time. And that's yeah, and in a different way, for sure. Absolutely. And it's just as important because we need all of these things so that when we are at the bedside, if we're called to help manage a ventilator, or if we have to pitch in in some way, we can be at our best. And I, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. You know, the, it's becoming more of a more of a possibility, too, that I might be called in. I haven't been called in to the hospital yet, but um, yeah. it's certainly I, I hear it's happening in other countries and. If it happens, Sam, I'm going to help out, do do whatever I can. In the meantime, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing the, and it's trying that, to survive being at home. <laughs> and teaching the kids and muddling yeah. through the haircuts. Exactly. <laughs> this, was a, this was a total treat. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.